0: I think it's important that we we don't try and take the safest route now. You know, it's like we've already taken all of this risk. Maybe it would have been better if we just stayed at some like company that we were at before and just like, try and climb the ladder or something. But we took a risk to now we're gonna take ourselves out of the job market, go to the school. Yes, it's it's a great school, it's a great name, but when you come out, you're competing now with new students younger than us, who are like who are thinking a little bit different. You know, so I think it's it's important that we try and do these things that, that are risky, but that are also super rewarding if we succeed.
1: Welcome listeners to the Style is Free podcast. Today we have Rongchen Zhang with us, talking about blockchains and how it works and all the different applications involved. Thanks for coming on, Chen. He's a Connected Media student with me here at Cornell Tech, and we're in a lot of similar classes.
0: Hello, everyone. Uh, yep. My name is Rongxin, and very happy to be here. This is an exciting time to be talking about blockchains and all of these applications. So, yeah, thank you.
1: You wanted to like break down blockchain for people, for our listeners who may not have like as much technical background with it and how it works.
0: I think when people talk about blockchains, they the the first thing they think about is the currency, Bitcoin, Ethereum, but I think that blockchain is by itself a technology and the currencies and all the applications, everything that you, you're hearing about in the news are things that are built on top of blockchains. Mm. And you know, most people consider blockchains as what they call immutable database. So in some ways is that you can only write to it and it's not something that once you've written something to it, you can remove. I think that's one part which is very important about blockchains. And the other aspects, which is important is that it's uh, at least when blockchain started, they were public. So the idea is that everybody can join in to this network and write something to this global database. But now of course you have things like company blockchains, enterprise blockchains, but I like to kind of split blockchains, cryptocurrencies and the applications.
1: Makes a lot of sense. So what type of companies are you talking about? Because I've always thought blockchains is public as well. So when you say there's like private companies using it, who who is that?
0: So right now, a lot of companies are trying to apply this like new database technology to their internal infrastructure. For instance, banks that have back offices, which do checking whether somebody has a certain amount of money to transact. They have things like sending money between banks mm-hmm. and to do like clearing maybe once a month once a year so they're trying to bring blockchain technology into this type of system to make it more efficient so an example would be let's say you know two banks they owe each other money every month they need to like say you owe me 10 bucks i owe you 50 dollars or whatever Uh, and so they basically have they run their internal blockchains in the two companies and then they do all of this clearing on on this network and the idea is that you know, they don't need to trust each other because technically this thing is write only. So you can only write to it, but you cannot remove some things and the history is very clear. But in my opinion, I don't know if that's the best application.
1: Right, because if it's still just internal people writing to the blockchain, like it, what I've heard is if you have control over 50% of the blockchain, you basically can write whatever you want, which makes it so great if you have a lot of people and crowdsource it. So yeah, that makes sense if it not, if it could still be fudged, I could see
0: exactly i mean they might as well just spin up like a database right
1: yeah yeah if it's privatized
0: i mean that's that's there's a company called uh ripple like the ripple token all that stuff Uh, they were like the really early companies that were trying to do this how successful it has been i'm not sure
1: and so what's it with ripple is that like it's tethered technology is that that one it's like tied to the dollar or stable currency or is that different
0: that's uh, a little bit different okay so, the idea with Ripple was they were one of the uh, I think first companies. I believe they were they're originally based in Europe somewhere. And the idea is that they brought in a lot of big banks and said, "Look, you guys can use this technology to manage your internal like infrastructures and make things more efficient." I'm not sure why they have a public token, but the thing was they they were very early into this. They developed a lot of the like technologies. Um, even though a lot of people think that what they have don't actually work. For instance, our professor Raphael Pass. Oh,
1: really?
0: He's constantly criticizing it, uh, like every <laughs> class. Uh, not one. okay, so he's not uh, constantly criticizing it. He's just, <laughs> you know, discussing some of the weaknesses, some of the right, trends. You see but... some
1: pitfalls in there. Exactly. Technology.
0: Exactly. Interesting.
1: So, yeah, you're talking about, like, breaking down cryptocurrencies, like, all of into three different parts. Can you talk about those parts a little bit
0: and how it works? I think about blockchain as the underlying technology that allows people to build things on top of it. Cryptocurrencies as one application of that. And then I think that decentralization is an even broader topic that was around before blockchains. For mm-hmm. instance, you know BitTorrent. Oh, right. That's decentralized technology. Kazaa, LimeWire, right? The whole know,
1: Napster sharing files technology.
0: Exactly. Yeah,
1: those were big a little bit ago. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, down, yeah. I mean, they were they were like my life back then. Right. Like, yeah. Know, like, all of my videos and stuff came from them. Yeah, I, I remember
1: I was really young. I had Napster, and like my brother had some friends over. I went somewhere else, and like deleted a lot of my Napster stuff. And after you could download stuff back, it was very upsetting. Lose <laughs> <laughs> so, like, all that information. It was cool. Yeah, you could just get anything just if people had piles and shared around right. so you see this being like an extension of like that sharing community now, now into blockchains
0: no exactly and i think a lot of the technology that was developed back then like all this networking stuff is being used uh, now in blockchains so like how do all of these computers on this network communicate with each other efficiently They gossip to each other, and they call it the gossip protocol. They
1: share a little bit of information with each, so it's everywhere, but not every computer holds everything. Is that kind of what goes on with gossip?
0: Yeah, I think that's one part of it. And the other part is that it's just the initially, like, sending information to people. Because, for instance, there's maybe, you know, millions of computers on this network. Mm -hmm. You can't send everything at once to everybody. Right. You send it to... All the people that you can connect to, and they send it to a bunch of all the other people, and the idea is that eventually everybody gets this message. Interesting. So yeah, a lot of this stuff I believe was developed early on in like in the early P two P applications. You know, a lot of the stuff, for instance, with things like Tor, like how do you preserve privacy? How do you do encryption on these networks? Mm -hmm. Some of them are being applied to projects now. I think it's like a renaissance of all of these things that maybe failed before or just didn't get the mass adoption that they needed for whatever reason.
1: So yeah, what are some of the applications that you're like, most
0: excited about? Uh, with, with blockchain specifically? I'm very interested in decentralized computing. The idea is that you can run programs on other people's computers. You can store files on other people's computers on this network that everybody can join into, but at the same time have the same efficiency as you have now with, let's say AWS, but much cheaper. You have more control over your information and it's also censorship resistant. So that's one area I'm interested in. So one of the projects in this space is called Filecoin. There's a bunch of other things like storage, SIA, uh, made in Safe. So these are all projects working on decentralized file storage, and and the idea is that you know people can join onto this network. I just plug my computer in. I've got a hundred gigabytes of free space, and I can basically rent this out mm-hmm. to people. Somebody that wants to store something, they just need to encrypt their files, and then store on this network, and then they can retrieve this file from any other computer that is connected to this network.
1: Yeah, so like, what if I shut my computer down, but I'm on that network, and your files are stored on my computer? How does that work?
0: So they solve this problem in two ways. The first is that as a person that's storing files, you have to put up a deposit. So let's say you're, you want to store one gigabyte of files. You have to put up, let's say, $1,000. And then the idea is that Once you've stored my file, the network will ask you for proofs that you're still up and that you're still holding my information. And let's say, for whatever reason, your computer dies, or for instance, you're just a bad person. Let's say, you know, you just want to shut everything because you want to Mm -hmm. save power or whatever. Then the network penalizes you and takes away parts of your deposit. So that's the incentive to why people should keep their computer up. Mm -hmm. But the other way they solve this is they basically do something called erasure coding it's basically redundancy they make your file that's maybe 1 gigabyte through some algorithms into something that's like 2 gigabytes let's say and then they store a bunch of these files on separate computers and let's say let 40% of all those computers die your file will still be able to reconstruct itself
1: okay so it's just using it doesn't just save it on one person's computer but it saves it throughout multiple people's computers so it can be recovered and in case something happens
0: yeah correct cool so yeah i mean it it still begs the question well does that make it more expensive now you know because you have to store more files technically Mm -hmm.
1: and like how many people like how much i guess availability is there for people who just always have their computers on willing to store stuff like versus because i know i have my laptop i'll close it when i'm not using it sort of thing Really? Like, are there people who have desktops willing to run it all the time, or would it be more efficient for like AWS or Google Cloud, like how they run them in bulk?
0: So uh, you, you're maybe saying that for the average like person, let's say us, mm. we don't really have, let's say, free space. Or even if we do, it's not something that we will leave connected to the network forever. Right.
1: And like, is that better than, like is, I know it's like centralized with AWS or Google, but somewhere that... Just gets a bunch of servers they do all the redundancy and sharding and everything just on one subset of servers is that i'm just trying to think like how how many people actually leave their computer running all the time and how reliable is that um like what the market size is there
0: of the storage providers yeah
1: right? of like decentralized storage providing like how many people are actually would participate in that like for like constant access as as you get with aws
0: in the very beginning maybe somebody will be on this network trying to you know make a dollar or something with their own laptop but i think eventually it'll be similar to bitcoin mining or cryptocurrency mining where you know people will turn this into a business let's say you know we buy a hundred hard drives and -hmm. plug this into the network like dedicated uh, systems there's like
1: small business servers
0: <laughs> exactly yeah. like now maybe you can have more people join to this network mm-hmm. so it's not just aws that can do it you know yeah we And can and if they're
1: not saving space they can mine stuff or something else on the side just so people you think people are going to be gathering computing power to just like s- save files and like make money on the digital market
0: uh i, I definitely think so especially with the uh, file storage because with, for instance, traditional Bitcoin and cryptocurrency mining, at least as of now, the majority is based on these like very inefficient, they call it proof of work algorithms, where they're just burning electricity. Right. And it does nothing. You know, If people are providing storage, then what they're doing with this resource is actually useful.
1: Right. It's not just yeah. wasting computing power for the sake of Mining.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Like I've actually I saw this article on Hacker News where somebody bought so many G- uh, CPUs for mining Ethereum that they're actually trying to rent it out to machine learning people <laughs> to you know run whatever like algorithms they have and it's actually going to be more profitable to do that than to mine cryptocurrency. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the, yeah, I mean it's 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 yeah. weird. I mean that's why Nvidia their stocks went up so much. I believe. Yeah, I've
1: been seeing them go up a lot. Yeah,
0: I mean, right. I'm not sure how much is like machine learning hardware versus just like dude buying trying to mine Bitcoin.
1: Yeah, so what do you think of the sustainability of of that? Because we're saying how much energy it costs. Like, it's more efficient just to rent out the servers and actually mine. Right. Like, how do you see that progressing in the future to be more sustainable and actually like a viable option? Because right now it's it's probably at yeah, like a small fraction of what like you would think it's going to grow to. Right. Like, a lot of people are very hyped on things going to grow, so. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that, on the s- sustainability?
0: The idea is that, so people are trying to solve this in two ways, because as you know, Bitcoin mining is taking up, I think, the same amount of energy as, I believe, Ireland. Really? Or, or Sweden, I think one yeah, of those. Yeah,
1: that's funny. We, had, we were talking about Ethereum mining last week, and it was Turkmenistan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. It's like one and a half million. That was just Ethereum. So I don't know when you combine them all together. But yeah, like Ireland, like
0: some countries. It's a
1: lot of energy. <laughs> like
0: you, That energy could be used for something else for right. sure. I mean, there's people that don't have like proper electricity, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and these yeah, exactly. are trying to mine this like bunch <laughs> of numbers. You know, it's, yeah. it's quite ridiculous in some ways. But they, they're trying to solve it in basically two ways right now. So, what makes mining inefficient and energy like intensive is that proof of work algorithm, which is everybody is trying to calculate a specific number based on the transactions. They're doing like repetitive hashing basically. And the, the issue with this is that there's no other way as of now that people can find these numbers except just by like randomly repeating calculations. Everything, yeah. Exactly. But what they're trying to do now is say, look, maybe you don't need this algorithm. So let me take one step back. So the reason they're doing this proof of work thing is to randomly elect somebody in this network to become the validator of blocks. This goes back to a concept of what you call fairness. Like what is it to be fair? So in a network where everybody is like joining into this network and then, and they can put in transactions, the only way to be fair is to be something that's random, like truly random.
1: But isn't it less random like you buy more computing power so you can have more chances to like get the number right and be on the network? Right, so so people like take advantage of it, but now it just it makes it so hard that it's just as random.
0: The the algorithm itself is still random. Right. But the idea is just that some people have more chances of of getting this thing. But that's why the original proof of work thing was invented. They were trying to find a a way to create like randomness basically. And to make sure that you couldn't create identities easily mm. to make yourself bigger. But of course we know now it's not so true because you have these big like mining pools and everything. But that's the thing. They have to, to solve this problem, they still have to keep that aspect of it. And the one way they're doing it now is to do something called proof of stake, which is instead of just randomly selecting people on this network based on some, you know, just based on their computing power or something, it will be based on how many tokens you hold on mm. on this network. Let's say you hold a hundred tokens and I hold ten tokens. The idea is that you should technically have ten times more chances of Uh, of creating blocks than me. And the idea is that if you do something like this, then you don't need to have everybody doing the same computation to try and put themselves into this lottery. The idea is that we already know who should have more power based on the number of tokens that they have.
1: How do they get tokens? Do they get tokens for making the blocks?
0: People can get tokens for making the blocks or they can buy it. Mm. Or they.
1: It's have kind of how it is now. But just interesting, if it's by making blocks, the more blocks you make, the more tokens you get, the more likely you are to make blocks to get more tokens.
0: Yeah, so the richer yeah. gets richer and right. the poorer. I mean, I raised this question to Rafael past a mm-hmm. professor, and he said, Well, that's the way the world works. <laughs> 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 I, mean, funny. I think maybe a better solution is to say at some point it's not a linear increase, but it goes down afterwards. So maybe, let's say when you have 10 tokens, uh, you get a certain amount of, let's say you get 10 votes. But let's say when you have 20 tokens, you, st- you only get 15 votes. When you get 30 tokens, you only get 12 votes. Oh, sorry, 17 votes. So the the um, amount mm, of- You
1: still get more votes, but each token gives you marginally less votes, you're saying?
0: Exactly, so your power like decreases the more money you have. So, right,
1: the rate of it, yeah
0: something along those lines that's one way they're trying to solve this problem but in another way which is i think a lot of the more like recent projects that are coming out are doing is to try and say is to say look we don't need to have everybody validating everything all the time mm-hmm. what we need to do is to have some assumption about the network say we're gonna assume like bitcoin let's say half the people are good at least half the people are good. So if we just randomly select a select hundred people, at least 50 something of them is going to be good. And this is one of the reasons why uh, mining is slow in the first place. Like one of the reasons that everybody has to accept these, this like verification process. Everybody has to communicate to each other that, look, I found something and that you, know, you should accept this. Getting a million or 10 million people to agree is takes much more time than, let's say, a hundred people right, yeah. for, for the networking part. So what they're trying to do now is to say, look, we're going to elect just a hundred people from this network randomly and then do some way of randomly, like truly randomly selecting a leader within this group of people that will validate a block, for instance. There is some very interesting things about how they're doing this random selection. So one of the projects which is being worked on by a professor at MIT, uh, he's called Silvio Micali mm-hmm. and he's Raphael Pass's uh, 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 advisor awesome. from MIT yeah. and he's like, in China we call these people like big cows. <laughs> 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 they're just like, and so he came up with this protocol called like Algorand. Okay. And the idea is that to create this randomness, they get the transaction, which is now some like random bit some bits of number. They put the time at the back of it. And then they they take the hash of this thing, which let's say comes out to the number you know, ten for instance. Mm-hmm. And then the idea is that then they have a group of people, let's say a hundred people. Everybody has a unique number. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say between one to one hundred. And all they say is that, look, the hash just now, which came out to the number 10, Mm. whichever number that is closest to, to whichever person that is closest to, that person becomes the validator of this block. And the idea is that now you no longer need to do this like crazy proof of work to to say that you want. Now this network has some way of deciding randomly who to pick. There's a lot of details in these things, but it's. I think it comes down to basically to, like how they're trying to make this system more efficient, is to have a more effective way of choosing somebody randomly, and to have less people, less people doing the validation, but trying to keep the same level of security. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So would that take away the need for mining then? If it's this random election of a small group of people, or are they still mining in that?
0: They're still mining, but then, I guess the idea is that it will be more fair so that technically like we can plug in our laptops and we would get a chance to mine on this network. You just won't become like super rich anymore I guess.
1: Right so does that take away the sustainability problem though if everyone's still mining?
0: The way they're mining would be a little bit different then. You basically just join the network and you don't need to do all this like super complex so calculation. it's more
1: yeah just a sign in as opposed to doing a lot of work in order to do validation it'd still be considered mining, but all the excess computing power wouldn't be needed anymore.
0: Yeah, exactly. At least to me, I think a lot of this stuff around like, because in, in essence, mining is, or like validating boxes is voting, mm-hmm. you know, people are trying to figure out more effective ways of doing voting, like through computers. I think th- this is all, I think maybe open problems, like, will this be effective? How will it incentivize people? you know, maybe now for whatever reason, there's some new problems that they didn't think about. And it's not like, you know, environmental problems now. Maybe it's like, I don't know, people bribing other people somehow. I don't right, know. Like
1: but other issues with the system. Exactly. Yeah.
0: But hopefully this guy from MIT, <laughs> who's a big cow, thought about this, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: you know, he uses it, figured it out. Yeah, that'd be cool. Cause yeah. that's, something as yeah, some things that just aren't sustainable with it so i know a lot of different teams are working on this hopefully this guy exactly. yeah comes up with something
0: actually let me let me ask you a question yeah, for sure most people took one cryptocurrency or like blockchain or a cryptography course i think you're one of the few people that decided to not take any of these courses why did you not take any of them? <laughs> no, I am not
1: taking them next year. And I, I okay. signed up. I'm auditing one of them, so I have access to all the videos. Okay. I need to go over more. I did sit on one of our Jewell's class. It was really interesting. I tried to ask as many questions because oh. it, it basically just conflicted with uh, other classes I wanted to take. I was going to take them next year. Hopefully, mm. they'll it, still be good next year and have more time to concentrate on it. But yeah, I figured if it was, I think TMD, like Tech Media Democracy is one of the classes that conflicted. Um, yeah, that's yeah. so like we didn't have it one wednesday so i just like went went in there one, <laughs> it's like that, wait why don't why am i not taking this Super yeah it was sick.
0: like the same time as another course yeah tmd right
1: yeah so and maybe i think i like, want interactive devices i really wanted to take because right. uh, when did you use my advisor and that's a really cool class too right. so just yeah just scheduling mostly but yeah i do want to take it next year
0: do you think that cryptocurrency would be a like bubble and that like the hype, it's it's too early to actually be something? Like, I mean, j- just from your opinion. Yeah,
1: I I don't have enough expertise to right. tell. I think given the hype behind it, it'll be round in the foreseeable future. It's one of the technologies that people have a lot of interest in. Right. Um, I think blockchain development, there's a lot more calls to that to make smart contracts. So I see developers getting very interested in it. And I think, I forget what talk I went to, but someone said like, you want to see what the future is like look at what developers are doing now like you want to see what's going on in five to ten years like what are developers doing in their free time that, that yeah it's like that type of stuff i think blockchain people are very interested in everywhere i go like from here we're in a very tech space i went home to las vegas like people our age were just talking to me about cryptocurrency the whole time like it's very it's it's more out there than I thought. Like people trade it. Like people are super into it. So I think it'll be around a while. Right. As far as bubbles and stuff, it's extremely volatile. Like looking at what right. Bitcoin happened at the end of last year, beginning of this year. Right. Yeah, it shot up to like nineteen at some point. Now it's down to around eight. Right. Like it's super interesting. It's I I think it's a lot of hype right now, and like people are trying to figure out the exact use cases for it. Because right. it's interesting. Because it is just. It takes existing things like databases and st- and makes it decentralized. So mm-hmm. you don't get a whole new like like a new product, kind of. It's just a new way of doing something we've always done. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of advantages that people are excited about, but there's some problems with it that are being worked out. But I think in time they will be worked out, and we'll start seeing some of the applications of them. Yeah, but I don't see it going anywhere. I see it, I see it keeping on picking up steam. And like the world figuring out how it fits into the current ecosystem, which is like tech in general. Figuring how it works with governments and countries and how we right. do things already. I'm always trying to figure out more about it because people are very into it. Mm-hmm. And I've, yeah, it's been interesting knowing the technology is super interesting as well, right. like how it works. And so I, don't, I don't know if it'll like be forever, but I think there's enough interest in it that it'll be around for a while and that it'll grow
0: and be better. But it's definitely harder to, I think, find jobs at bigger companies if you're. Maybe it's changing a little bit, but. Right. I mean, like from our career fairs, you know, and other stuff, yeah. it's much harder, I think. That's one reason I think a lot of people cannot get into it.
1: Right. I think I find same thing because i'm interested in like augmented reality and brain control interfaces and right. it's just super hard to find those things like they're yeah you, you have to have a very specific company and like these type of things are hard so they want like phds to like do them so it's 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 not as mainstream as like i've been doing web development for a few years and that's right. i can there's a lot of web development jobs because like everyone uses the web right. so i think it's just such a nascent technology that it's hard to find like good-paying jobs that are super dedicated to it. Right. So I definitely see it growing in the future, but like right now, yeah, development is mainly like application, web development, data, a lot of data science, like machine learning. Yeah. That's why I like, I've been looking at like computer vision, which kind of mixes machine learning and AR. There's like certain right. paths you can take that kind of mix stuff together, Right. that like that's what I'm looking for, like how, how to get into these things that are new. I definitely see. I see a lot of investments into cryptocurrencies and just blockchain technology in general. And I see, yeah, I definitely see it growing in the next few years, and we'll see from there. Like, but yeah, I, I was looking at like TopTal. Have you heard of them? Yeah. They're like a, one of my friend's company. They're like a freelancing website. So they, you have to like basically interview with them to be added onto the site, and then they hook you up with like a couple months, contracts, or maybe up to a year or more. Optal? Like, yeah, a really cool company. My friend, uh, Brendan Banishot started that. I've had a lot of friends working on it, yeah, TL. Yeah, I think they they have like, specializations you can do as well, and like, one's like blockchain application development. Really? Yeah, so I'm definitely seeing it, and I, I've seen some like requests for that i have another friend who made what it was called like truffle or something i haven't looked at it but a lot of people oh. people are doing like smart contract
0: oh you you're, you you know somebody that made truffle
1: not truffle but like mixed truffle with react i believe oh. i haven't looked at it too closely because i don't know truffle was that a smart contract builder or yeah. like framework i haven't used it
0: it's like you know express js mm-hmm. i would think of it as like express js for uh, for like smart contracts on gotcha GTA. does yeah. it
1: sit on node or was that yeah it's no oh so instead of express you're using like a smart contract wrapper sort of thing exactly cool. it's like
0: the framework that everybody uses because it's the only one that really works
1: yeah <laughs> nice yeah i need to look into that so i feel like yeah there are people there's a scene they're starting to be open so like if someone went to high school with like just like made a i saw i saw it on reddit and i'm like That's something my friend's been talking about so i think it works for wayfair <laughs> and he's like and I was like, look, I double check like his Facebook. He's like, oh yeah, he's like, my friend on Reddit posting about it. And, like.
0: <laughs> That's the same guy. Yeah, <laughs> the
1: same dude. So it's cool. Like, there's definitely some, love developers like you know like people very interested in it. So right, right. yeah, I think, right. I think I think it would be more jobs popping up. But there's probably I'd imagine there's some in the city that are looking for some like smart contract developers.
0: I don't know. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't searched too hard. Yeah, I. So in in Brooklyn, there's a big, like blockchain. I don't even know what you call them anymore. They're called Consensus. So, con- Consensus with i S-Y-S. Uh, I've seen that name, yeah. Yeah, so they were... It's founded by this guy called Joe Lubin, and he is a super early investor and creator of the Ethereum network. I think he was one of the founders, but I forgot exactly specific his role. Mm-hmm. So, he created this place in, in Brooklyn, and... He was incubating projects that are building stuff on on Ethereum. So like Truffle is one of the Hell projects. Yeah. And now I heard they have... Like, a couple of years ago when I went to their office, there was maybe like 10 people. And it was literally in some ghetto part of Bushwick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's terrible. Now it's they have 600 people globally. They just bought a building next door. Jeez. So, I mean, I think... They're they're creating a lot of jobs for sure. Like I think there's definitely a lot of opportunities and stuff. I think from like just a job perspective, a lot of people think they're so unstable. That I mean, they're like yeah. this startups, but they're startups in a space that a lot of people think is a startup space. You know, it's like yeah. you're building a startup on on top of some. Unstable you out, un- yeah. space. You're like unstable on top of unstable. Very volatile in general. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, blockchain. There's a lot of way to die. Basically. Yeah, what does
1: consensus do?
0: My understanding is they have a couple of pieces, I think they call them they have some weird name, like spokes and stuff like
1: okay, that. Okay, like wheels and spokes yeah, and hubs,
0: yeah I think something like that, yeah. So they you know, they have one part that is like funding development of projects. That's cool. And then they have one part that is like consulting for big companies. They have one part that's like education, trying to like teach people. They have some like internal like projects that they run themselves. Mm. It's huge... It all
1: revolves around blockchain.
0: Yeah, it's specifically Ethereum, I believe. Okay. Yeah, anything that uses Ethereum, uh, they're, they're funding. Yeah. And I mean, they must have gotten super rich from, <laughs> from all the tokens this, you know, they're holding, um, basically. Interesting. So, yeah, I think that, that's one of the things which is driving this. A lot of people got f- basically free money in some ways. Yeah. And, yeah, but it's even harder to hire now, I think. I was speaking to a friend who, who's uh, going to SF to work and as, like, a, a software developer for a blockchain company. Mm-hmm. This company is, like, they're very technical and stuff, and, I mean, he's getting paid, like, hundred and fifty, 160 k. And, I mean, hiring seems to be super competitive still. Mm-hmm. But I guess they can afford it because, that's why they they got a lot of basically free dollars. Yeah,
1: maybe. yeah. I'm trying to think. I think like angel list. I've seen blockchain like developers too. I yeah, feel like there's some like startups looking for that.
0: For sure. Yeah, I yeah, I think that everybody in our school should at some point like just go and work for, if if they're not dependent on visas. Mm-hmm. I think, because I think in my opinion, like, you know, we spent all this time and like so much of our life, not just blockchains, but in my for me and in my opinion, blockchains, because, you know, we spend so much time just and like, we're, we're trying to invest in some in ourselves to do something. I think it's important that we, we don't try and take the safest route now. You know, it's like we've already taken all of this risk. Maybe it would have been better if we just stayed at some like, company that we were at before and just right. like, try and climb the ladder or something. But we took a risk to now we're gonna take ourselves out of the job market, go to the school. Yes, it's it's a great school, it's a great name, but when you come out you're competing now with new students younger mm-hmm. than us who are like who are thinking a little bit different. And you know, so I think it's it's important that we try and do the things that that are risky but that are also super rewarding if we succeed. It's like investing and like betting. I, yeah. I think that, that that's kind of how I see it.
1: No, I, I totally agree. Yeah, that's why I'm here. I could have kept doing web development and stuff. I wanted yeah, I saw you, a lot of cool new technologies coming that I'm very interested in. I yeah, wanted to yeah. learn, get a head start on it.
0: I mean, you probably could like probably would have made a pretty good living and just continuing because you you would just build it would just be easier and then you'll be mm-hmm. building on what you have worked on before right yeah it? and
1: then dedicate full time to like web development and then keep up all the current stuff and yeah there's a lot of demand still get emails a lot for web dev roles
0: like, exactly yeah it's a bad end there's always risk in every bad. so yeah
1: yeah but I think yeah, if you're passionate about it even like st- stability and stuff and I know like depending on visas too but yeah. If it's something that you enjoy and good at, like there's probably, and as long as the whole market doesn't go away, which I don't think it will, like like maybe a company will co- close down, but there's more more blockchain companies. Right.
0: Yeah. You, wait. You said you're you're from Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. That company, uh, that shoe company.
1: Zappos. Zappos. Yeah.
0: They're based in Las Vegas, they are. right? Yeah. Yeah. Is is there a big tech scene in Las Vegas?
1: I wouldn't say a big one. Right. It's interesting though, like CES is there, you know, E3. So There's a lot of big events that are tech-based and it's close to California. Yeah, I think Xappos is a big company there. Not a lot of people take advantage of, of this city. I don't think there's a huge like intellectualism coming from the city. It's a lot of like you can get like jobs on the strip pretty easily without having to have like an education background. Hmm. But yeah, there's no, I think it's like no income tax in Las Vegas. There's definitely a lot cool. of advantages two like corporations starting in in nevada and not not a huge tech scene there
0: i read that a state called uh, wyoming have recently just changed their corporate law structures and they're trying to be the cryptocurrency oh wyoming yeah, yeah. i mean i don't i don't know much i haven't about. heard
1: that that's cool yes yeah.
0: so they're trying to take advantage so that like if you launch an ico or whatever you should go to wyoming and yeah. then they won't basically put you in jail. <laughs> yeah,
1: what are your thoughts on ICOs? Last guess we had thought there was like a lot of scamming involved with ICOs and stuff, so how do, what do you think about them?
0: I wasn't super big into the ICOs. For me, when, when I was looking at them, I wasn't so much looking at them from just investment perspective. I was mainly interested in the technology and you know the, the ideas they're trying to put forward, so and I don't know if there's a direct correlation between good technology, good ideas, and higher investments. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I mean, there's definitely scams. We, we, we heard about all these, like, I mean, there was this token called, a uh, can you swear on this? Yeah, it's a, a like a fuck token. It's for it's for Reddit. It's like if you want to give give a f, you know. It, I mean th- that's not a scam. They, they have a they wrote a white paper like a two page white paper. You know it was the funniest thing I've, yeah. I've ever read. And I mean that actually that to be honest I don't think that's a scam. I actually f token. It's a legitimate token.
1: <laughs> How much money they raise?
0: They raise, I F-11? think. Uh, no, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> They raised money through Twitter, and I think they raised $60,000 nice. of Ethereum and Bitcoin, which is now probably worth like a million. Oh, okay. They so raised these, back in the day. These two dudes. It was crazy. <laughs> so I think that's actually legit. legit. <laughs> but there's definitely some that's like trying to scam people. Facebook's banning ICO ads. Yeah. I
1: think Google too, right? YouTube, exactly.
0: Yeah. There's always going to be scams, but I think the the consensus is that overall, The overall quality of ICOs is dropping just because now there's so many like crappy projects. Mm -hmm. But for instance, the uh, the Telegram, right? ICO, which is supposed to be the biggest ICO in history, they raised eight hundred million. I don't know if Jonathan talked about this. No, no. So a couple weeks ago, they raised eight hundred fifty million. Not even launching a public token, (laughs) investors went to them. So we want to invest in this this blockchain yeah. thing they're de- 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 developing this blockchain and then now they're raising another 807 million and then they're gonna go public which is probably predicted to raise like billion so Jeez. I think that there's a lot of money in this I think it will be similar to this in, in some sense to startup investing where when there's bad quality projects good projects are gonna get more money
1: mm.
0: so that you know, if you're a good project in this space, you're actually going to be getting a, a lot more extra money than if you were maybe if there wasn't so many bad projects. Yeah. Um, I mean, the reason there's bad projects, there's a lot of just extra money. Yeah. And maybe this goes back to like, why is there all this like extra <laughs> money in the first place? Where did all of this stuff come from? And that's an interesting like question by itself. I mean, yeah, it's like...
1: Where's all this investment capital coming from? Yeah, like what?
0: What? Like nothing just comes out of <laughs> yeah. thin air. But I mean, a lot of people say that it was since the economic crash in two thousand eight, uh, or even before that. Not just in the U.S., but I mean China. So they printed out so much money mm-hmm. to keep the economy like the way it is. They base. I mean, they they basically just like created giant amount of inflation Mm -hmm. and maybe a lot of people say that's one of the reasons why there's all this free money lying around in cryptocurrencies is basically this whatever amount of money is in cryptocurrencies is directly correlated to the amount of inflation there are in the market so this is all the fake money that people that governments and banks printed basically
1: it's really interesting yeah Yeah. so all the inflation as we think kind of shifted to To cryptocurrencies as opposed to going back into like the regular economy
0: that's That's, one theory yeah especially from a lot of like asian countries a lot of people made a lot of money from this inflated fake money Mm -hmm. and then they're trying to like put it somewhere that holds value that i appreciate yeah and then they they put it into blockchains and and also like now the issue is you know this is always something that i found very interesting with startups like evaluation like how much some network is worth right you know, people say a network is worth a a billion dollars or whatever. Mm-hmm. If I buy one share of something for ten thousand dollars, and there was a million shares, does that make this thing worth I don't know ten thousand times a million? Right. You know, so but then the issue is that once this once people accept that this thing is worth this amount of money, they can take all of this fake stuff or this non-existent stuff and like sell it and use it. Right. So it's like. Maybe they're just pr- printing money on top of money. and But there's also interesting things like, well, maybe this is better than governments and central banks printing money.
1: Right. I have a friend working on a project called BaseCoin. Mm-hmm. Friend Lawrence played like football with him in Princeton, one of the smartest guys I know. And that's what his him and his two co-founders like concept is like a stable currency that ties right now to the dollar and then will tie to like a basket of goods so yeah. so it keeps it, like stable and like working with government to make it like how do you actually use it and the reward he yeah, i think he, i think he has investment from like injuries and horowitz as well and bain capital to oh. to double check but i think those two yeah there's a ton of money <laughs> dude
0: that's awesome i mean yeah like stable coins i'd love to learn more about that That's yeah
1: i can send you the white paper and like they have a good graphic on it but right. it should be hopefully coming out soon i think yeah. it's pretty soon <laughs> but yeah i haven't yeah. seen him like all year he's been like very dedicated really? building this thing out yeah it should be good
0: <laughs> oh and how how big is their, their team do you
1: know i i know yeah. just three founders yeah. um they all went to like princeton like magna cum laude computer science I like, worked at google d shaw like super smart <laughs> super smart like the smartest dude i know and like right, right. like his best friend for like ever has been like the same track as him as well and like they're super smart yeah i'm excited to see where that goes
0: oh yeah that's another thing at least i think it's interesting is that like you said all the smartest people that i know a lot of them are working in like are working in cryptocurrencies Mm -hmm. um, not just crypto but like blockchain related stuff i think that's always a, a good sign not even just people but the early pioneers of like the internet I don't know where they went after the internet was founded <laughs> like did they take just like a long sabbatical or something like you know they just went on holiday for like 20 years yeah and now they're back with now blockchains. yeah they're like hey we're, hey we're back we invented http yeah you know we invented this like hashing function that everyone in the world uses you know we're gonna work on blockchain
1: concentrating on blockchain i know it's
0: That's like amazing. it's crazy yeah
1: Awesome, Ron. So, well, thank you so much for Dude. everything. It was super interesting stuff. Thanks oh, for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Stylus Free podcast. Tune in next time. We will talk about more blockchains. We'll talk about flying cars. We'll talk about the internet, augmented reality, artificial intelligence, machine learning, every buzzword you could ever imagine, SEO. We'll get into it all. We'll do it all. See you then, next time, on the Style is Free podcast. I'm your host, Brett Liebowitz.